1: This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 61, and we are recording on December 20th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hello! Hello! And it is cold again here. Yay! It's almost Christmas! (laughs) woo Yeah. I... Like, I don't know. Christmas is fine. I... It's whatever. Halloween and New Year's are my favorite holidays. New Year's? That's not one you hear a lot. I I love New Year's. I love it. I don't understand people who don't like New Year's. Like, I really don't.
0: I'm usually in bed by 10, so (laughs) I don't know. I don't really, like, do... Do the new? Mm, mm. I think those you're gonna have two to, are, to tell me more about this later. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say I think those two are my favorites because they don't come with like people requirements. Like one involves a lot of candy, and one involves a party, and like <laughs> that's basically it.
0: My favorite holidays are yes, Halloween and Thanksgiving, yeah. and then Christmas because oh, okay. of the food, like the food. Yes. I like the food holidays. Like I don't care about the Fourth of July because history and also <laughs> right there's no real f- like who wants a hot dog i don't no, care no
1: I, I mean yeah hot dogs are nice but like they don't And like a whole valentine's holiday. day just comes with like crappy uh, no, no, stale chocolate no, no. No. no
0: like if you're ho- if your holiday is not food centric like good food then i don't care about it fair fair.
1: Uh, let's talk about our actual podcast, shall okay. we? <laughs> this show is a reading recommendation show, which is exactly what it sounds like. You send us questions about what you should read next, or what you should get for your uncle for Christmas, or you know what your book club should read, or whatever it is that you need reading recommendations for, and we will answer them. You can drop your questions in the show notes on the site. Uh, there's a little form at the bottom of every post for Get Booked, and uh, you can also email your questions to getbooked at bookride If your question is time-sensitive, please note that in either the subject line or very early on in the form so that we can try to get to it ASAP. Uh, I think we've only just, in this show, we've like wiped out all the questions from 2015. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're a little behind. But I'm also answering questions via the Get Booked email address if they are timely and I don't think we'll get to them in time, or if it's a question that we've answered on air already. Uh, We don't want you to have to wait for us to cycle back to it. So you might get an email response as well and i think that's all the housekeeping shall we shall we away all right
0: Okay, so we're going to read the first question and then do our first sponsor and then get the ball rolling. So the first question is from uh, Woods, who says, I need a book recommendation for an in-law. She's an actress from Pittsburgh who enjoys cooking. She counts Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood as an idol who is a dear friend as well. That's awesome. She also teaches acting classes. Her house is one of those that is filled with books. Her husband's a theater critic and a Shakespeare professor. She reads widely in both fiction and nonfiction. Okay, so before we get to our recommendations for you, I want to talk about our first sponsor, which is actually ourselves, and it is a giveaway that we're doing on the site uh, for a two hundred and fifty dollars gift certificate to Barnes and Noble, which is awesome. So you can go to bookriot.com/bn like Barnes and Noble um, to enter. It is open internationally, and you know, with two hundred and fifty bucks to Barnes and Noble, you can. Get whatever book you wanted that didn't show up under your tree. You can get a jump on your reading for 2017. Um, You'll know you find a use for it. You're a book person. You know what you're doing. (laughs) Uh, In order to enter, you need to sign up for one of our email newsletters. If you're already signed up for all the newsletters you want, you can just click the box again, like re-sign up. um, But you won't be signed up as a duplicate. It's just for the entry. So if you've already signed up for the newsletters that you want to sign up for, re-sign up for them again to enter the giveaway, but you're still just going to get the one, the one that you've already signed up for, so you're not, like, going to get two in your inbox. Uh, just so you know, because we have gotten that question before. Um, so you can check out the whole slate of our email newsletters that uh, that are in the giveaway entry forms. A couple of them are written by us. Jen writes... I was just going to uh, say, this
1: is where I pitch Swords and Spaceships, which is a yes. sci-fi fantasy newsletter, which is awesome if I do say so myself, and I do.
0: <laughs> so that's, like, sci-fi recommendations and news um in like the world of science fiction uh, and fantasy we also, and fantasy. Yes. We also have uh one called Kissing Books, which is going to start in uh, in January, which is so exciting. Just Pride, one of our contributors is gonna be writing it. That's about romance, obviously. Um I, every other week uh, I co-write a newsletter with Rebecca uh, called this week in books which is a summary of like the newsy stories that are happening in books and publishing this week that we think that you'll find interesting um, there's a, a mystery thriller newsletter we're starting a new non-fiction newsletter so there's tons of newsletters that you can get uh, to sign up for so as a special bonus podcast listeners who use the URL bookwright.com slash Bn to enter will be entered in a second secret giveaway just for podcast listeners which is an extra 50 Barnes & Noble gift cards. You actually have the chance to win $300 worth of gift cards to Barnes & Noble here. So again, that's bookriot.com slash bn. We'll put a link in the episode description and show notes and all that. And this ends at on December 31st at midnight. So before you go making out with people at the Stoker the night, make sure you've entered the giveaway. Okay, so, moving on. Um, so we're looking for, yeah, books for an in-law, an actress from Pittsburgh who likes Mr. Rogers. That's awesome. I'll just keep going because I'm still talking. Um, so my first pick for you is My Life in France by Julia Child, which is a memoir, you know, by Julia Child about, you know, her life in France. Um, if you are unfamiliar, which Why Would You Be?, she, uh, wrote. Mastering the Art of French Cooking, which is one of, like, the most famous cookbooks, American cookbooks ever. She had a really famous PBS uh, TV show uh, cooking special, which I I picked because of the Mr. Rogers thing. Like, if she, if your in-law is, like, into Mr. Rogers, I've, like, painted this picture in my head of this woman that you're asking for a (laughs) book recommendation for. Like, an actress whose husband is a theater critic and who likes Mr. Rogers and teaches acting classes. I feel like this is a person who would appreciate Julia Child. I don't know why, but, like, I'm just going with my gut. Um... So Julia Child uh, moved to France in the late 40s. She didn't speak any French. She didn't know anything about France. Uh, Her husband was a a government, like a, a diplomat, I think, or he worked for, I don't remember. Anyway. They went their first job. Um, So she, you know, dove into French culture because she wanted to familiarize herself with her new home. So she started buying food at local markets, taking cooking classes at the Cordon Bleu. Totally changed her life. Obviously, she kind of transformed into the Julia child that we know and love. Um, And so the book is the story of that move, also of her marriage, of her growth as a person uh, moving to France, and then how she got into cooking and French cooking and like the trials and tribulations that came along with making French recipes, like, translating French recipes for an American audience, which is actually much harder than it sounds. Like, no one had written a recipe for French bread in English ever before until Julia Child did, and it took her, like, I don't remember the exact number, but something like 250 pounds of flour before she could, like, nail it (laughs) and figure it out and write it for Americans who, you know, eat food very differently in the 40s and now than the French did. So um, she's a lovely person. Like, Julia Child is just a... I don't know, she's just, like, heartwarming and nice. She's kind of, like, got that Mr. Routers thing going on. Really, like she's, she's really nice to everyone, but she's also smart and compassionate and, um, like, thinks really deeply about the people in her life. It was, it's just, like, she's just nice. Like, she's the nice person to read about and about her own life. So that's My Life in France by Julia Child.
1: All right, my first pick is the first book I thought of when I read this question because it's an actressy book. Um, it is called Laura Lamont's Life in Pictures by Emma Straub, and it is about a girl who is born Elsa Emerson in Wisconsin, um, and she her family owns uh, like a county playhouse, um, and she loves to be part of the uh, the plays, and she that's where she gets her acting start. Um, and then when she is in her teen years, she runs away from home and goes to Los Angeles and reinvents herself. Uh, it, like, entirely different name, different hair color, the whole nine yards. Uh, and so, um, so this is, like, 1930s Hollywood. So she is part of, sort of, the golden age of Hollywood, um, where they had the crazy studio system, and there were, like, studio marriages, and, like, all of the- that stuff that's, uh, old-school Hollywood style, and I think Emma Straub did a really good job of, like, evoking that time period while also anchoring it to, um, Elsa, who becomes Laura, who is not particularly happy for a lot of the book, like, this is not actually a happy book, uh, it's, but it is a very dreamy, like, it has this sort of, like, dreamy feel to it, um. And it's a really enjoyable read, and it is a really fascinating look into like this particular time period in film uh, and in Hollywood and uh, at this woman's life. So I think she would really enjoy it, If since she's an actress. Um, she will probably find a lot of interest here. So that is Laura Lamont's Life in Pictures by Emma Straub. Okay,
0: my second one is also not a happy book, but is accuracy. <laughs> uh, it's The Interestings by Meg Walitzer. Um, this is newer ish, uh, it came out in 2013. Um, And so this is about a group of six friends, teenagers, who were at summer camp for the arts um, in the 60s or 70s. uh, I don't remember which. Um, And so they're at this artsy camp. They're uh, very talented actors, actresses, uh, writers, artists, uh, musicians, that kind of thing. Um, And then the, the novel follows them as they grow up from being teenagers into middle age and how they do or do not end up using their artistic abilities as adults and how that affects their friendships and relationships and their own, you know, images of themselves. So kind of like the main character, I mean, there are six of them, but like the one that you follow most closely, her name is Jules. She wants to be an actress, um, but eventually realizes that that's not going to happen. She decides to live a more kind of normal life. She gets like a regular job. Meanwhile, um, her two friend, two of the friends from camp, Ethan and Ash, become super famous. Like, uh, Ethan is a um, an illustrator, like kind of for di- like a Disney il- uh, animator, Disney movie maker kind of a thing. Uh, and Ash doesn't really do much his wife except be his wife but anyway they make tons of money and so Jules goes through her life like comparing her life where she's I think a nurse or something um that doesn't have anything to do with like her her acting abilities uh to her super wealthy super successful super happy following their dreams kind of friends um so it's a lot about acting and um there's a lot about that particular art form, but it's also about, like, the creative life and what happens when you don't get everything you want out of it, Um, especially when you have to watch somebody you love do, like, that does get everything that they want out of it, Um, and whether or not that makes them happy, and, um, like, it's not, I wouldn't put it as, like, living a small, normal life versus living a big, rich, wealthy, successful, wildly successful kind of life, but um, that was, like, kind of the most interesting part of the book to me. I don't know. Uh, I... Yeah. If you, like, ever as a child went to any sort of, like, gifted program for smart kids, for Smarty smart Smarts, I think you'll really relate to this. Because, uh, like, watching the creative people in your life or, like, the really smart people in your life and the choices they make to use or not use, that sort of thing, is a, is a really interesting topic to me. Um, so that's The Interestings by Meg Wallitzer.
1: <laughs> She's amazing. Um, I picked for my second one, a food book. So Amanda and I basically just, like, did the same thing. We picked a food in an actress <laughs> book, uh, because we are simpatico. Um, and my pick is Voracious by Cara Nicoletti. The subtitle is A Hungry Reader Cooks Her Way Through Great Books. I picked this because uh, you said that she likes to cook and is very well read, so I feel like this will speak to her as well. Um, it is about... So Cara, it's kind of like a memoir slash cookbook. Kara um, like grew up uh, in a family where her grandfather ran a butcher shop, and she's also uh, a bookworm, obviously. So now she herself is a butcher and a cook and a writer. Um, and so what she decides to do is go looking for foods from her favorite books or from classic books and, like, she's gonna cook them and talk about, like, w- how it is that these books, you know, relate to, or the food relates to the books and to your own personal life as a reader. Um, and so there's things like, you know, breakfast sausage from Little House in the Big Woods. And then, you know, cupcakes from The Corrections, which still cracks me up every time I think about it. Um, Or like Clam Chowder from Moby Dick. Uh, So I think this is a really nice combo of interests. Um, And it also has illustrations by Marion... Boo. Bolognese? like that like this like the food that can't be right I'm probably pronouncing it wrong anyway there's lovely illustrations as well so it's a nice gift book uh, so that is Voracious by Kara Nicoletti and okay yes here we go next question is from Monica who says, I'm part of a Bible study slash book club. We meet weekly to discuss Bible passages, and monthly we read a book and try to understand the context, uh, try to understand it in the context of the Bible passages we've read that month. We mostly read autobiographies autobiographical material or memoirs. We've recently read Man's Search for Meaning by Victor E. Frankel and The Reason by Lacey Sturm. Uh, Next year, however, several of us will be having children and we'd like to start orienting our book choices towards parenting, but we have no idea where to start. Uh, So, if you have any recommendations, we'd like to start reading them before there are some newborns distracting us. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, I, this is very far outside of my wheelhouse as I am neither a parent nor religious, but I asked around uh, from the contributors, and so I do have a couple picks for you. The first one is called Holy is the Day by Carolyn Weber, which was recommended by our contributor Kate Scott, and it is about, let's see, so Carolyn Weber is a college professor um, who is also trying to write her first book and parent three children under the age of three, which is a lot for any human, Uh, and she's, like, trying to figure out you know, how to keep her life going. And a friend says, like, you know you're not going to be able to do everything. And she's like, but who will do everything if I don't do it? Um, So this is her trying to figure out how to find space for herself uh, in the course of a day um, and drawing a lot on uh, her spiritual reflections um, and, you know, connecting with her faith. So this sounds like it would be uh, a good fit for your club. sounds like there's lots to talk about. So that is Holy is the Day, Living in the Gift of the Present by Carolyn Weber.
0: Okay, I uh, am a parent and am a Christian, so I I feel this. This is a (laughs) subgenre like religious parenting memoir is a is a subgenre I went a lot through when I was when my kids were first born because you know because of course I did. So anyway, uh, my first pick for you is Seven, and like the the number seven, An Experimental Mutiny Against Excess. It's by Jen Hatmaker. Um, and this, I picked this one because it's kind of a stunt memoir, you know, those like, e pray love inspired kind of, I'm going to do a thing for a year and see what happens, um, kind of memoir. And I think that those are really great for book clubs, because there's like so much to pick apart or talk about, or like, would you ever do that or whatever. Um, and so th- in this, Jen Hatmaker... Um, when her when the book starts, it's a memoir. So when the book starts, she's the wife of a I think her husband was a youth pastor at a big mega church, like an evangelical mega church in America. Um, and she has this kind of spiritual revelation that the evangelical church in the U.S. is very much obsessed with money and I Id- and like idolizing Republican values instead of doing anything that has to actually concern itself with the stuff Jesus wanted us to do. And so she has this like great revelation about that particular thing, and then her and her husband and her family, her children, um, go on this seven-month journey of getting rid of that kind of thinking in their life, and she does it, she manifests it by, um, get it, like, pairing back the excess food, uh, clothes, uh, money that she spends on stuff she doesn't need, uh, social media crap she has around her house, um, I think this the sixth one is like waste like uh, uh, environmental like being un- environmentally unfriendly and then the last one is stress. And she tries to like the parenting portion of this is like she tries to involve her kids in it as much as possible which is you know getting a kid to like only eat the same seven things for a month is not going to fly usually um so that there's a little bit of like a comedic edge to it Because they're, you know, they're children, and they don't really understand what she's trying to do, and um, they're used to, like, a very particular way of life that her and her husband have decided is garbage and are now being, like, directed toward an entirely different way of life, and, like, watching her try to explain the values of, like, a social justice-oriented Christianity to her kids when they, like, live in a mega- house is it's like it's just fascinating like how do you do that i I just thought it was really interesting um and then eventually at the you know she does she like succeeds she pairs back they change churches um she gets involved in her community and um like just completely changes her life so there's tons of stuff here um from like political things to interpretations of bible passages to like how she raises her kids that i think a book club oriented towards what yours is oriented to would, would be able to talk about so that's seven an experimental mutiny against excess by jen hatmaker
1: all right, my second pick is not actually a memoir uh but it sounded like it might be approachable for you guys since you're doing a lot of like context and bible discussion uh it was recommended by contributor christa mcquinn and it is jesus as mother by carol walk caroline walker bynum uh it is about spirituality um in the high middle ages so like uh, definitely on the scholarly side um but she is thinking seriously about like The ways that people in that time period, um, like approached this you know, I approached the idea of Jesus and also how that fits in with the sort of mother concept. Like, it's definitely scholarly and academic, um, but it seems to me that a discussion of, like, male versus female in, you know, religion might be a helpful thing to think about as you're approaching parenting. Uh, So, I don't know. It might be too heavy for you guys, but it's worth a shot. Uh, So, that is Jesus as Mother by Carolyn Walker Bynum.
0: Okay, my second one is "Operating Instructions: A Journal of My Son's First Year" by Anne Lamott. Uh, Anne Lamott is super well known in like Christiane memoir writing kind of circles. Um, but she, this book about her her kid having her kid, it's not like an, like many of the, the memoirs you're going to find in, like, a Christian bookstore, um, because Anne Lamott is an alcoholic. She's a recovering alcoholic. Um, she partied a lot. She did a lot of drugs. And when she found out that she was pregnant, she was single. Um, so there's a lot of, like, stuff about her life that people get really judgy about in Christian circles, but uh, she's amazing. So she when she had her first son, she'd had abortions before, and, had, and when she got pregnant with Sam, who's the child that she had in this book, um, she decided that she was done doing that and, like, actually wanted to raise this child. Um, but she knew that she going to have to do it by herself because, like, the father was not interested. She was still in recovery. <clears throat> excuse me. is still in recovery for her alcohol abuse um, and had, was, like, newly, had just newly discovered her faith. So there's, like, a lot going on in her life when she finds out that she's pregnant. And then as a single mom, you know, she has her kid, and then the first year is rough because the first year is always rough when you have a baby, but when you're by yourself, it's doubly so. So she's got to deal with that. The Sleepless Nights, um, like judgment from her family, not having a lot of support. Um, And then at the same time that she's dealing with like raising her baby, one of her closest friends um, gets diagnosed with a terminal illness. So she, the book is set up a lot with that comparison. Like she's bringing a life into the world and losing the life of one of her closest friends. Um, So If you've got, like, this kind of, I don't know, like, saccharine, I don't want to say naive, but this, you know, like, rose-colored glasses view of what, like, the first year of being a parent is like, this will maybe shatter that a little bit. So if you want to hold on to that, this is maybe not the thing that you want to read because it's very honest and she has um, some postpartum depression and a lot of stress. And it's just very, like... I found it very comforting because sometimes you do think, you know what? Survival of the fittest is a thing that I've heard exists. So maybe if I put my child out in the snow and leave him there and see what happens. If he survives, awesome. We can continue. Because like you get just so crazy and frustrated and exhausted and you have these thoughts that make no sense. And when you're by yourself, you not only have to deal with those, but you have to also like police yourself so it's it's like twice as hard um and she talks about all of that like brutal honesty which i really appreciated so uh yeah so that's operating instructions oh and she's a christian i like feel like i left that out she's a christian there's a lot she's like doing this through the lens of her kind of newfound faith at the time um so operating instructions is the name uh, it's by ann lot oh is it me it's yes. you <laughs> okay sorry okay so question three is from jordan Um, She says, my request is in regards to finding a book for my aunt who just turned 80. I know she used to enjoy reading but has fallen out of it uh, because she doesn't know how or where to find books that she likes. She's got a lot of spare time and is always looking for ways to fill it. Um, I know that she's enjoyed books like Janet Ivanovich's Stephanie Plum series and Sue Grafton's Alphabet series, but those are the only books I know that she's read. I would like to find books with a similar style, not too big or complex, readable, um, but maybe with more variety or in new directions I can introduce her to without going too far from what she has enjoyed previously. Okay. You go.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Talking. Yeah. So my first recommendation is the Café La Femme series by Livia Day, the first book of which is called A Trifle Dead. Get it? Trifle? I'm, like, doing the nudge-nudge yeah. nudge arm mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> um, so I was introduced to these books, which are, like, Austra- it's an Australian author um, by a good friend named Karen who uh, sends me the best recommendations always. Um, and Tabitha Darling is the heroine of the series, and she has, she's, like, very good at making pastry and also very good at getting into trouble, Uh, and now she is trying to run her cafe, and, like, she's always trying to invent new desserts, and um, also she has a lot of, like, male relatives who are very protective of her, and so she's trying to, like, get them out of her hair, Uh, and then uh, somebody is found dead in the flat upstairs from her. And so she ends up getting involved in the investigation despite like everyone's efforts to keep her out of it. Um, she also kisses a lot of boys, which is fun, and makes a lot of pastries, which is also fun. Um, and I don't know this series is just like it's one of those like kind of a little bit fluffy, super enjoyable, like there's tension, but it never gets super deep or dark, which I feel like Ivanovich does in some of her books as well. So it's a good sort of uh, atmospheric match for of that. Um, and there are like kind of delightful, like Aussie slang, like sprinkled throughout, which I found really fun. Uh, and I don't know, I love a good pun and a food mystery, so you know that that fits this bill very nicely. So that is A Trifle Dead, which is the first in the Cafe La Femme series by Livia Day.
0: Okay, uh, my first one is A Study in Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas, which is a new uh, first book in a series about a gender flipped Sherlock Holmes. So obviously, uh, your aunt is into mysteries, like kind of fun, not super graphic mysteries. Um, So I picked this one because of that because it is that, but also it's historical fiction so it's like another um, genre that she might want to explore later. So uh, in this book it's Charlotte Holmes instead of Sherlock Holmes. It's Victorian England. Um, She's made a deal with her dad that, because she doesn't want to get married because she's, you know, Sherlock Holmes, but a girl, um, that if she can stay single up until her 25th birthday, he will give her the money to set herself up so that she can go educate herself and and, and start a school and have some measure of independence. Her dad goes back on the deal, and so she's 25. She has no prospects, and she has no um, no education and no way to provide for herself um, and refuses to get married. So she causes a scandal uh, of herself. Like She engineers a situation. And this is not a spoiler. It happens like on the first page. She engineers a situation where she has an affair with a married man, and gets caught um, so that she is, like, no longer needed in society. Her parents throw her off. She can go off and do her own thing and live her own life without societal expectations, which is kind of brilliant. Um, and then as she does that and is trying to, like, you know, find a job and survive, um, she starts solving mysteries with the help of a kind-hearted widow who and, like, act, former actress who is Watson, the Watson character. She befriends a police inspector um, and starts secretly as like, said, she secretly starts solving mysteries for the cops, but she does it as Sherlock, quote-unquote, a made-up guy who she pretends is her brother. So there's, like, a lot of stuff going on there. But it's a lot of fun. Um, and there's actually, like, a, a lot to talk about in this book because of the gender stuff, but also because the first mystery is about, like, f- feminism. Um, so if your aunt is or is not... Down with that, there's like you could talk to her about it either way, um, but it's also just you know, like a page turning fun mystery to read. So that's a study in Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas.
1: My second pick is more in line with the Sue Grafton, which is a little bit on the heavier side, um, and it is Attica Locke's Jay Porter series, the first book of which is Blackwater Rising. Uh, so, Attica Locke, um, she's amazing, she wrote The Cutting Season, which you have heard me talk about before, um, but this series is about Jay Porter, who is a lawyer, um, but he's kind of like a fan where he's not doing great uh he's running his little practice out of a strip mall like it's just not happening for him and you you start to find out why um and uh and it's because of a case that he took um or a case that he got involved in uh and the like everything takes place in texas um and there's a lot of like you know, small-town politics. Um, I love a good lawyer mystery. Like, you know, procedurals are fun, but I really do get into, like, the minutiae of the lawyer-led mystery. And if you like that, this is definitely a good series to read. Um, And, yeah, Locke is just, like, a really great new voice in uh, mysteries, so I think that your aunt would probably enjoy them. So that is Blackwater Rising by Attica Locke, which is the first in the Jay Porter series, of which there are two currently, I believe. Okay, my second one might seem a
0: little weird because it is a super mega bestseller and probably doesn't need to be recommended by anybody, but it's The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins, uh, which all of you know, and I don't need to summarize really, probably... The plot for you, but just in case, uh, it's about a woman whose life has fallen apart. She's an alcoholic. She rides the train every day into the city, uh, into London, um, from the place where she's staying with a friend. Um, first, initially, it's to go to work, and then it's because she has nothing else to do when she loses her job because she's an alcoholic. Uh, and she passes, every day on the train, she passes a house um, that's next to the house that she had with her ex-husband. And in the house that she passes is a couple that looks like their, their life is ideal-like like and perfect. And then one morning on the train, or several mornings, she, like, witnesses something um, questionable and weird. And then the next day, the wife that she's been seeing all of these day uh, all of these months goes missing. Uh, and she goes to the cops with what she knows, and then there's, you know, a mystery ensues. Um, so if you haven't read it or seen the movie, which came out in October, I think, it's I really enjoyed it. But the reason that I picked this is because it's got... That, you know, mystery, unreliable narrator thing going on, but it's also very um, popular and maybe a little bit, well, it's probably not darker than, like, the... It's darker than the Stephanie Plum stuff, certainly. Um, but it might open up her interests to, like, maybe some contemporary literary fiction um, or different, uh, maybe, thrillers. Like, if she enjoys this, uh, there's, like, there are, you know, thrillers to go down. There's a whole, like... Not spawn, but, uh, like, sub-genre of girl on the train read-alikes that she can explore if she enjoys this one um and then you can go watch the movie with your aunt which is always a good time so it's the girl on the train by paula hawkins
1: all right our next question is from stephanie b uh, in June, I gave birth to a beautiful baby girl and absolutely love being a first-time mom. Since my daughter was born, I've been really drawn to stories about women-slash-families with newborns-slash-infants. I've recently read and really enjoyed The Light Between Oceans and The Language of Flowers. I've also read How to Party with an Infant and The Couple Next Door, which I thought were just okay. I would absolutely love your recommendations for titles that are perfect for my new desire to relate to other fictional moms. <laughs> um, my first pick for you is a little off to the side. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, it is Gold Fame Citrus by Claire Vae Watkins. And Luz, who is uh, the main female character does not give birth to a baby. She kind of steals one. Um, (laughs) The book takes place in, like, a future in which the world is, like, everything is a drought um, and the economy has collapsed and, like, but it's just after, so, like, money still can buy you some things. Um, And Luz and her boyfriend, Ray, are squatting in this, like, house up in the canyons in California Um, and every now and then they go down to like LA proper to get supplies. And one night when they're at like a big party slash you know, rave basically. Um, they see some, they're pretty sure drug dealers with a child that they are clearly not equipped to take care of. So they like in a moment, they have inattention on the part of the, you know, quote unquote bad guys. They steal the baby and then take off for what uh, on a road trip because they believe that there is like down South, there's like actual green places and maybe they could have a home and like make a family instead of just eking out this weird existence existence in California. And, you know, things unravel from there. It's not a cheerful book, but it is a really interesting book. Um, I still, like, don't know exactly how I feel about it, which I kind of don't mind. Like, there are some books that you're just, like, forever going to be like, what do I think about that? And, And it's a really intense and powerful reading experience um her vision of the future is like it feels very uh possible which is both scary and also interesting um and yeah i don't know like Luz has a really complicated relationship to her feelings about the baby uh and so i think that might be an interesting thing for you to read not cheerful though just saying not cheerful um so that is gold fame citrus by claire bay watkins
0: uh, this is apparently the mom show. I didn't do this on <laughs> purpose. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> it is. There's a lot of mom questions. Yeah, Whoops. that's okay. Okay, so
0: my and none of none of mine are cheerful either. I don't know. I like being a parent. I feel like I need to clarify that. <laughs> so my my first one is uh, it's called Afterbirth. It's by Alisa uh, Albert, and the main character's name is Ari. She has a son uh, who is a year old, and she is not having a good time. She's got some postpartum depression. She's very, very bitter about her birth experience because she had a cesarean that she did not want to have. Um, and she feels very like violated and traumatized by the surgery that she, um, was really trying to avoid. And then she's also kind of just having a hard time being a parent. Like, her partner is not really there for her. He's doing a lot of, like, kind of gross gender normative kind of stuff that leaves her as the primary caretaker at all times for all all reasons. Um, And then she's losing some of her female friends. Like, her female friends who don't have kids have kind of abandoned her. The ones who do are, like, obsessed with their children, and she doesn't like that either. Um, She's a really angry character, which... Uh, you know, if you read reviews of this book, some people can't handle that. Like, they can't handle the idea that a woman could not enjoy the first year of having a baby. But, you know, as anyone with a baby will tell you, it's hard, uh, especially if you have postpartum depression. And so she's struggling. Like, she's she's struggling. She's angry. She's bitter. And then uh, a musician moves in next door or, like, down the street. Um Who, for some reason, kept reminding, like, reminded me of Annie Dufrenco. Like, she's supposed to be, like, this kind of cult classic musician who's kind of hippie-ish. And is a little bit older than her. And is very, like, self-contained and resourceful. And is, like, doing the thing by herself. Doesn't need friends. Doesn't need help. Whatever. Um, She's also nine months pregnant. Um, So, Ari is, like, Ari's the main character. She's, like, I'm going to become best friends with this woman who is, like... Uh, a, an artist whose work I've really enjoyed, she's going to understand my struggles, she's going to know what I'm going through, we're going to be buddies. So she like, goes on a quest to become best friends with this musician and it doesn't really like go the way that she wants. Um, so it's both the story of one woman's struggle with being a new mother, um, but it's also a, a fictional rant, basically, about the things that we expect from new parents or from new moms specifically, not new parents. That's, it's, it's about women. Um, and like how we expect them to automatically know everything there is to know about babies, even if they have no experience with children whatsoever. Um, we expect them to be happy and fulfilled automatically and to ignore the difficulties that come along with, um, both the process of giving birth and having a newborn. Uh, so it's it was it's I don't know, like just comforting. She's not a likable person, um, Ari, but she's she's relatable, which I think is more important. So that's afterbirth by uh, Lisa Albert
1: my second pick is called department of speculation by Jenny Offal. I love this book I love it I love it it's very short it's actually more about marriage but motherhood is a big part of this marriage um, the heroine who you'd never really find out her name um, like came from she and her husband were you know deeply in love they were both artists or like you know kind of uh, fringy um, and she thought she was gonna be like you know she calls herself like her, her aspiration was to be an art monster, which I still I love that phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know they get married, the baby is colicky, like she doesn't have time to write. She finds herself like like, going to yoga, and it's like, who have I become? <laughs> which is just, and, you know, and then she's also, she's working as a, I think as a ghost or, like, a research assistant, um, and so she's, like, including, there's included little bits of, like, the things that she's learning over the course of her job, uh, which is not the job she wants to be doing, but it's a job that she is engaged with, um, and it's just a really interesting sort of, it's a little fractured, like, there's not a clear narrative plot line but it's a really interesting meditation on like how we change as we become oh, you know married or a parent or like how we change from the person we thought we were going to be from the person that we were and like some of that is good and some of that is not good um and how we make our peace with that, or do we make our peace with that? Like all of these questions, she is struggling with. Um, but I remember when from reading it, like a lot of cute scenes with her daughter, who like she clearly loves. It's just like it's more about like the struggle of understanding who you are in relationship to this tiny person, uh, which I think is something a lot of moms could identify with. So that is Department of Speculation by Jenny O'Fall.
0: Co-signed, right? I love that so book.
1: Good. Yes.
0: Okay, my second one is Snowflower and the Secret Fan by Lisa C. Uh, this is a rough, it's a, it's a rough read. So it takes place in the 1800s in China. Um, it's about a girl named Lily who, when she's seven years old, gets matched by, like, a village matchmaker with another little girl named Snowflower. And um, it's, I, I'm, I might not be pronouncing this right, but, the like, the match is called the Lao Tong, which is where they take two little girls and match them to be essentially, like, best friends, sisters, Life partners who, you know, the the person that you lean on um, throughout all the difficulties of your life. And it's done by a matchmaker because it's considered almost as important as, like, the person that you actually marry. Um, So the little girl, uh, Snowflower, sends Lily a silk fan where she's painted a poem on it, and this, like, starts off this lifelong friendship. Um, And the narrator, Lily's the narrator, but she's narrating it like it's a memory. So she's, like, I think 80 or 90 when the book opens, and she's. Talking about her life uh, growing up. So these two become friends. They uh, send each other messages in, um, it's called Nushu, I think. I mean, again, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, which is like a unique and secret language that Chinese women used to communicate without men um, understanding what they were saying. Uh, and so they become best friends and they go through foot binding together. They get married um, through their arranged marriages, they have children. Um, and, and lots and lots of difficulties that come with children. Um, and so it's it's about their friendship. Like, the book at its core is about their friendship. But it's also about their relationships to their mothers, their mothers-in-law, and then as they become mothers, what that is like. Um, and so motherhood is, like, a major theme here, especially when it comes to the foot binding. Um, if you talk to people about this book, they'll say it's a book about foot binding. But I don't really agree with that. That That's just, like, the... the um, not conflict, but the, the like the linchpin on which this friendship is built, and then um, how, like how Lisa C writes the mothers in this novel who have to do the foot binding on their own children, knowing how agonizingly painful it is, and that it means that their children won't be able to walk, and that once they get married, they're not, um, you know, going to be able to trap like escape that marriage physically or emotionally ever again, and like the things that women have to do. Uh, or had to do in 19th century China to like reconcile that and um, love their daughters. Even though society calls that society called daughters worthless and um, like how women and mothers dealt with that and how daughters dealt with that. Like, wouldn't you be so angry and like bitter toward your mother if she loved you in every other way, except like still made you do this one thing. So it's a really fascinating look at motherhood and like how far we can stretch that, um, Bond and the things that we ex- that like society expects mothers to do for, but also to their kids. I don't know. It's complicated. It's a tough read, but like, um, it's one of the rare books that is almost entirely about women and their relationships to each other. So that Snowflower and the Secret Fan by Lisa C.
1: All right. Uh, we have a moment to talk about our Read Harder 2017 Challenge, which mm-hmm. is the second sponsor of our show. Uh, if you missed it, we just recently announced, uh, last week? Yeah, last week. Mm-hmm. Our 27 Read Harder Challenge and Tasks. I'm gonna put a link in the show notes, but we're really excited about this year, uh, not only because we got six authors to contribute to the challenge. Uh, so that includes Daniel Jose Older, Sarah McLean, Roxane Gay, Celeste Ames, Asma Zahannik Khan and Jacqueline Koyanagi who you have heard us talk about all of them on this show Um, so there are 24 tasks like usual, two per month and they are designed to broaden your reading horizons and give you uh, chances to read things you might never otherwise read so that is the Read Harder 2017 Challenge we'll leave a link in the show notes if you're feeling like you need to get out of your reading box this is a great way to do it
0: okay Question five. This is from Jamie. She says this is another mom question. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. That moms Um, need
1: books, too. It's fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, She says, My husband and I are beginning the process of adoption, domestic adoption, and I am hoping to find books that will help me along the way. I would appreciate fiction, nonfiction, memoir, anything that will help me better understand the journey we're starting and what to expect in both the short and long term. I left this one up to Jen. (laughs) Because Jen had three recommendations, and I have no experience with this at all. So,
1: Go, Jen, go. Yeah, so my niece is uh, adopted, uh, and it is a domestic infant adoption and an interracial adoption, so I have some feelings about this, some very good, positive feelings about this, um, and I talked to my sister-in-law about what would be the best things to recommend for Jamie, um, but I also have a pick uh, that I just recently read for the first time while I was looking into this question. Who knew that Nia Vardalos, who wrote and starred in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, was also an adoptive mom and wrote an amazing memoir about it. I did not know this, but she did. It's called Instant Mom, and she talks really moving and honestly, movingly and honestly, and also hilariously um, about her struggles to become a mom. She's always known she wanted children. Uh, She is in a stable marriage. She, like, her career had taken off. This was um, during slash after the success of my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Which she talks about, like, getting to that point in her career as well. So it's, like, it's a little bit about her career in Hollywood. Uh, But she went through 15 fertility treatments, which, if you know anything Mm. about the fertility treatment process, like, that is bananas and, like... I can't even imagine. Um, It's really crazy. I I mean, it's not crazy. Like, it's really intense to go through that many treatments. Um, So, like, obviously, she was very committed to becoming a mother. And none of it worked, which is just devastating, obviously. Um, And so then they started, she and her husband started looking into adoption options and ended up going through the foster care system in California, uh, which is a kind of adoption that not a lot of people know about. Um, And she talks so beautifully about how, you know, what it's like to not be able to get pregnant, what it's like, you know, to try to decide what kind of adoption do you want to do, international, do you want to do domestic, do you want to do private, do you want to do open, like, oh, there's so many questions, and she really, really believes in adoption, and she is, her goal with this book is to make you feel like it is something that you can accomplish and she wants to give you the tools to make it happen Um, and she is just so funny and smart and there's a great guide in the very back of the book that's like so you want to adopt let's talk about it and like breaks it down into these really manageable questions and gives resources and oh I just I like I was so amazed and impressed and excited about this book so that's Instant Mom by Nia Vardalos which like everyone should read just because she's so funny and smart (laughs) but also especially if you're considering adoption or thinking about what it means to be a mom like this is a must read um And then my sister-in-law, Sarah, recommended two books that she thought were particularly helpful uh, in their process of adoption. Um, And the first one is called In On It, What Adoptive Parents Would Like You to Know About Adoption, which is a guide for uh, relatives and friends by Elizabeth O'Toole. And it is supposed to be, you know, this adoption book for, quote unquote, everyone else, like grandparents and neighbors and colleagues and teachers and all of that stuff. And it's got anecdotes from different um, adoptive parents, from adult adoptees, from professionals and adoption, uh, and people who are already in established families about, like, you know, like, maybe don't use these words. Maybe do use these words. Like, this is how to talk about it when you're in the grocery store in line and, like, some strangers asking you questions about your niece or your friend's baby or whatever. Uh, and I think it's also, like... It's certainly going to be a helpful read for you as well, um, just because it is from people who are through all, uh, excuse me, all, you know, sort of corners of the adoption world and will help you talk about it with your friends and family as well. So, like, read it yourself and then hand it along. Uh, And that's In On It by Elizabeth O'Toole. And then the second one Sarah recommended is The Interracial Adoption Option by Marlene Gelfine. My niece is, uh, or not... Of the same race as her parents, um, and so and there's all kinds of considerations for that when you're adopting. Like, will you know how to do their hair? Like, that's a really mm. silly little simple thing, but it makes a difference. And like again, how do you field questions in line at the grocery store, stuff like that. Um, so this book is a personal guide to interracial adoption, which draws on the experience of the authors, who are a white U.S. couple who adopted two African American children. Um, and so it's a really like in depth look at you know all of these things, like how to choose a doctor and how to deal with, you know, body stuff and, you know, how to talk about it with your kids and your kids' parents, teachers, rather, and all of that stuff. Um, So hopefully these tools will be helpful for you. Um, And uh, yeah, I I wish you the best of luck um, in your adoption process. Okay. Oh, it's me again. I'm just going to keep talking. (laughs) Keep going. So the next question is from Sally, who says, I am starting nursing school in January and would love to read some books featuring nurses. I read The Wonder by Emma Donoghue recently and enjoyed the character's independence and her commitment to the principles of the nursing profession. I have Outlander on my list, but I am not sure how much nursing is actually featured. Spoiler alert, none. Like, really. I think she maybe dresses some wounds at some point. Like, there's a little bit of doctoring, but know. Uh, okay, so Sally is open to all types of books. Amanda, your turn to talk for a little while.
0: Okay, my first pick is Call the Midwife by Jennifer Worth, which is also a, I guess, BBC um, series that's on Netflix that I love so much. Okay, um, I'm obsessed with it. I like binge watching it in like a weekend. So Call the Midwife is about a girl named Jenny who becomes a nurse um, and midwife in the East End of London in the 50s. So, like, immediately post-war. And she comes from a kind of posh background. And then when she becomes a midwife in the East End, at this time, the East End um, was essentially a slum. um, Like, in the literal definition of slum. And so she goes and she moves into a convent um, where... The midwives are set up, like the nurses and the midwives are set up um, to live. So she's living with a bunch of nuns. She is not herself a nun. And then has to, you know, go out and serve the community. And so it's a story both of nursing, like it's 100% about her experiences as a nurse, um, but it's also about like the hard scrabble lives of people who lived in the East End of London um, after the war and are kind of living in poverty and are struggling to eke out um, the best life they can for themselves and their kids. She's got a lot of really entertaining um, and fascinating anecdotes. I loved this book for so many reasons. First of all, you know, like, women's health care is not a thing that, like, there are tons of books written about, especially historical uh, women's health care. But also, you know, I'm from the U.S., and so, like, the setup of midwifery and, like, state Funded uh, state funded midwifery and state funded nursing and healthcare it was like just really fascinating to me in general because that's not something we have any experience with whatsoever here, um, really. And so I was like, oh, wait, you get a midwife for free? That's awesome. <laughs> like, I, sp- I spent a whole weekend just watching the show, like, that must be nice. What must that be like? <laughs> um, we will never know. Uh, anyway, and so. Um, yeah, like the, I really enjoyed. I read the book and I watched the show. Like the the um, the historical perspective of like what childbirth was like, um, how doctors became the people that we leaned on in Western medicine for our childbirth, as opposed to midwi- midwives, um, and how like. Uh, The the, the education that they got, uh, the medical education that they got in order to practice midwifery. It's all just very fascinating. Um, She also has a few stories about nursing that doesn't have to do with childbirth because she was a nurse. And all of the women who she worked with were also nurses and midwives. So she cared for some of the elderly people who lived in the neighborhood. Um, She had, you know, like a free clinic for kids who were coming in to get their shots, that kind of stuff. So it's called The Midwife by Jennifer Worth. And it's actually the first book in a trilogy. I haven't read the other ones, so I can't vouch for them. But there are more if you like it.
1: I also have a book about midwives. I had a weirdly hard time with this question, um, and oh. I just now realized, looking at my picks, that they're both about malpractice suits. <laughs> um, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, my first pick is Midwives by Chris Bojellian, um, which is about a midwife, surprise, um, in 1981 in Vermont. Um, and she has been a midwife for, like, 15 years in the neighborhood. She is like, trusted and respected. And then one night she's doing a delivery, in the middle of, like, a blizzard, uh, and she performs an emergency C-section on the mother, who then dies, um, who who she believes has died in labor. Um, but then afterwards, her assistant says that the patient wasn't dead and that the C-section killed her. So there is then a trial, um, and uh, it is a really intense book, as I remember it, and also very complicated. Like, it is, it is really like there is a conclusion to the story but it it you end up having a lot of feelings on both sides of the trial throughout the book or at least I did um and it, there aren't really clear answers I I don't remember there being I read it a while ago but I don't remember there being like super clear answers and it was just a really fascinating look at like the profession and the people involved and like what the um what the like, dangers might be and like how people respond to the idea of midwives, uh, which has changed a lot over the years. I mean, obviously, this is set in the 80s, so like that's a different thing altogether from today. But still, um, I found it a really interesting read uh, into and uh, look in a world that I knew nothing about. Uh, so that is Midwives by Chris Bojellian.
0: Okay, my second pick is Atonement by Ian McEwen, also a movie, if you care to go watch it. <laughs> um, I like the book better, because... Because obviously. Cool. <laughs> um, so the narrator uh, in this book, her name is Briani. Um, And she is telling the story as an adult, but it's mostly about one day um, or one incident in her life when she's 13 uh, in the mid-30s. Um, she sees a flirtatious, a series of flirtations, basically, or a series of romantic moments or tense moments between her sister, Cecilia, and their friend, Robbie, who is um, like the son of a servant who lives on their property. And Cecilia and Robbie are older than Brian She's 13 and they are in university. So they're, you know, late teens, early twenties kind of a thing. Um, she doesn't understand what she's seeing. She doesn't get the, um, kind of grown-up nuances of a of sexual tension or of a flirtatious moment or of sex itself. She has no idea what's going on. Like she completely does not comprehend what she's saying. And because of that, she ruins both their lives in one night in a, in a like event I'm not going to go into. Um, so she ruins their lives. Robbie goes off to jail. Um, Cecilia is heartbroken. And in order to get out of jail, Robbie agrees to join the army, and he goes off to fight World War II. And then you kind of follow the three of them as they grow up, and as the war happens, Robbie goes off. He's... Um, he gets stranded in Dunkirk during that situation or that part of the war. Uh, Cecilia and Bryony both become nurses, and you stay with Bryony a lot as she learns to become a nurse, as she trains to become a nurse, and then as she practices uh, her nursing, uh, working with um, injured men from World War II. Uh, It's kind of graphic. There's uh, some squicky nursing stuff, but obviously you're not going to have a problem with that. (laughs) Um, And the nursing isn't, I don't think, it's not the main point of the book. You're following these three people and how their lives are shattered and how they try to fix it or not. Um, There's a lot of stuff here about, like, unreliable narrators and the war. But, um, yeah, both of the women that that you're focused on in the book are nurses, and so it does play pretty heavily. Um, So that's Atonement by Ian McEwen.
1: All right, my second pick is not about a nurse. It's about an anesthesiologist. (laughs) Close, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, It's Oxygen by Carol Casella. It is about a woman named Marie Heaton, who is like a very, uh, she's an anesthesiologist anesthesiologist, and she's very well respected. Um, she has made her way through medical school and now practices at a Seattle hospital. Um, and she like really believes in what she does and in her skills. And then during a routine surgery, everything goes wrong. Um, and so she is after in the aftermath of this, um, she's facing a malpractice suit and trying to figure out what happened. Uh, like what, was it her fault? Was, did something else happen? Like all of these things are huge questions for her. And, uh, this book, I recommended it because it fulfilled that, like, um, Grey's Anatomy slash house slash, you know, ER-loving part of myself. <laughs> like, <those laughs> are all, like I'm a sucker for a medical drama, and this feels like the book version, especially because it takes place in Seattle, um, and there is a romantic relationship in the book. Like, it, feel, it has a very similar feel. So that might not be what you're looking for, but if it is, I highly recommend this one. So that is Oxygen by Carol Casella. And that's our show. And that's our show. Oh, my goodness. There we did. We did it. Uh, Thank you (laughs) so much for listening. I was like, wait, really? We're done? Um, Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to rate us or leave us a review on iTunes, we would love to see your thoughts. Um, You can also find us on social media. I'm Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, and Amanda is I'm Amanda Nelson. Uh, Thank you so much to us for sponsoring the show. (laughs) Check out the BNN giveaway and also our Read Harder Challenge for 2017 and we will talk at you next week.